All right, y'all click the thumbnail. You read the thumbnail, right? Kyle Lowry is the type of dude that would steal something from you and then help you look for it. Probably a food item, a snack or something like that, right? Like if Kyle was your roommate and one day you said, hey man, Kyle, I had leftover Chinese in the fridge. You, you, you didn't need it, did you? Yeah, huh? Huh? What, what, what you mean, huh? He start digging through the back of the fridge looking for, looking for it. All the while, you see some chow mein on the back of his pants. Like, come on, man. You know the type of dude, man. And look, Marcus Smart is similar in some of the antics they do, right? But I think there is a separator because I'm not talking about taking a charge at midcourt or hooking a guy and drawing a cheap foul. Some of the stuff that Kyle does, to me, goes outside of the spirit of the game and just competing. For instance, the hip check on Jalen Brown last night. Now, it's subjective. There's no way to prove intent. I understand that. And there's going to be a fleet of people that are going to defend it and say, no way it was intentional. Intentional. I'm here to tell you it was. If you've played enough hoop, you've played enough ball, all I can tell you is that was intentional. And then I think the worst part about it is he doesn't own it. He'll turn around and, oh, my bad, my bad. Oh, you okay, right? At least someone like Draymond kind of owns it. He kind of owns the villain role. Kyle's a sneaky, sneaky dude. Look, man, I get why people like him. Like he has to be probably a top three success story in the NBA, right? Like he's six foot tall. He's built like a Best Buy employee. And then somehow he's a perennial all-star and an NBA champion. It's nuts. It's nuts. Like, let me ask y'all this. Is he better than Chris Paul? The point God, right? Is that, that's a conversation that is not out of line. You look at their accolades and their effectiveness. You could easily make the argument, Kyle Lowry's a better point guard than Chris Paul. He's had a better career. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. So I understand the underdog story and people appreciating how much he's made of himself in the NBA. It's not what I'm talking about. He's a phenomenal player. He killed it last night. Talking about the extracurriculars that go beyond competition where he is, I don't know what's going through his head. I don't know why... Well, I know why. I mean, if, if Jalen Brown can't check back in that game, it's advantage Toronto. So I guess there's those of you that could say, well, that is competitive, right? But to me, that's where you're crossing into being a dirty player, right? And you could argue Marcus Smart does the same thing. You know, there's there's he's not the only dirty guy. Don't get me wrong. I just think that he is the guy that has more fans apologizing and claim that he, claiming that he's not when he is. I'll put it to you like this. If he played down at my LA Fitness, I'd throw hands. I'd throw hands. Eventually. I'm not saying like the first time, but after a couple weeks, a couple months of playing, eventually I'd throw hands. Now, I'm sure I'm sure he'd beat my ass, right? I'm sure he'd whoop me. I mean, I know he's strong as hell with them childbearing hips, right? I'm sure he'd thrust me all around the court. Pause. But I mean, I'm just telling you right now, If I know that there's a lot of different fans. There's a lot of different reasons. And there's a lot of people that admire, again, his success story. He shouldn't be where he's at. And I get that. But there's just something above and beyond. Like take Draymond, for example. I think the worst part about it that annoys me the most is, is at least own it, bro. At least own it. Like Draymond, we know about his 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 uh his shots to the groin. And, you know, Draymond has similar, he does similar things at times, right? But at least Draymond owns it. And, and Lowry, I think that's what annoys me most is like he turns to Jalen Brown yesterday. Oh, my bad. If you watch the replay, it was a very unnatural hip movement, a twisting, a twisting to get under him and tabletop him. 
And so I'm not talking about the charges again at half court and me, you know, hooking a guy and drawing a cheap foul. It goes above and beyond that with Kyle Lowry. Look, some your strength is your weakness, right? And they've got three options. That's cool. But we're starting to figure out, like, you have to have a pecking order here at some point. And in my eyes, as aggressive and fearless as Jalen Brown is, down the stretch late in games and in overtime, he's your third option. He's your third option. You got 1A Tatum and 1B Kemba, depending on the matchup. But Jalen, the third option, seemed to have the ball a little bit too much in those overtimes. And again, this is something that's got to, to be worked out. You saw Tatum struggle a little bit with turnovers. What do you have? Like, did he have eight? No, he had eight or nine assists, but he had quite a few big turnovers down the stretch. And that's something that he's going to have to learn. He's going to get better because of it, right? Even though it maybe it cost them the game. One thing you have to keep in mind, Celtic fans, is both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're newborn ball handlers. And what I mean by that is Kemba and Marcus Smart, they've been handling the ball since they were seven, eight years old. And, and, they've, and there's a certain nuance to handling the ball and making plays and making reads in traffic that they've developed at a very young age where Tatum and Jalen Brown being big wings, this ball handling is newfounded. And they have the skill of it, but some of the timing and angles and understanding crowds, they, they may never get that just because, again, they're newborn ball handlers. And that's something you have to keep in mind down the stretch, that Hawking defense probably feels safest with the ball in Kemba's hands. I'd say Marcus, but you know Marcus is liable to, to uh, you know, he's got an itchy trigger finger, right? But I mean, yeah, it was it was the game of the bubble thus far. It was the game of the bubble thus far. Um, big shots from Grant Williams and and the rookies, and it, it was it was back and forth, back and forth, man. I also thought it was interesting from Toronto's perspective. Did we see a chink in the armor from Nick Nurse? Did we see a chink in the armor because I had spoken earlier in the series? I've been doing the breakdowns on Patreon of this. I think I've done two. You better believe I'll have Game Seven. What is it? Saturday. I'll have that on, on my patron for y'all. Um, but I had brought up, why is Marc Gasol still playing in the series? I'd brought up from game one. I was like, you got to play Powell. You got to go smaller, right? And you saw them finally ease into that. And I had brought up like, is Nick Nurse, is, has he been sticking with Marc Gasol because he believes in him and he thinks that they need him to win? Or is there an emotional attachment where it's like he doesn't want to do that to his veteran, his championship veteran? And he gave him maybe too long of a leash in this series, right? And then down the stretch, look, Toronto won the game. That's fine. But I felt like just like Boston went to Jalen, a little too much isolation down the stretch. Why are you going to Siakam? Like Van Vliet and Lowry are killing it. And you're going to Siakam in these crucial ISO situations down the stretch. And so I thought maybe it was a little bit of a chink in the armor for Nurse where maybe he gets a little too emotional in his coaching decisions. Right, Because I think if he was thinking with his head, it would have been in one of those guards' hands in a lot of those situations. And instead, it's like he wanted it for Siakam. And so that's why he went with the emotional decision. But either way, man, it was, it was a hell of a game. I'm looking forward to that game seven. Meanwhile, Miami is sitting and watching and waiting and charging the battery and staying healthy. If you haven't, I just dropped a video on why I think the Heat they might just be the favorite right now in the bubble to win it all. If you look how things are playing out here, some, some advantages that maybe haven't been looked at, but go ahead and check that video out. I'll link that right here. Um, what else do we got here? What else do we got here?
I don't have many thoughts on the Denver Clippers game. I think it's starting to play out how we thought. I think, uh, I think now I've had a couple people at me on Twitter about Michael Porter's post game. And he essentially said the ball needs to move more. We need to attack them uh, in a variety of ways offensively, as opposed to just going to the, to the uh, Murray Jokic pick and roll relentlessly. And I agree with him. Look, Porter, I've spoken about this in the past. The dude has a very unlikable face. And hey, maybe you're looking at me and saying, so do you, so do you, Al. But I, I, there's something, it's something within the brow of, of Porter Jr., right? There's a, there's a very entitled brow to him and his demeanor. And so people tend not to like what comes out of his mouth. I understand that, but he's right. He's right. Beverly, George, Kawhi, you're showing him them the same pick and roll over and over again. They're too good. They're too good. And you're seeing Murray, he's sped up. He's a little bit off balance because of all those ball hawks around him. And here's the thing about Patrick Beverly. Here's the thing about Patrick Beverly that people don't quite understand. I'm dropping gems on y'all. I'm dropping, I'm, I'm dropping gems on you. I don't even know what soundboard I hit. But listen, I, I was probably going to save this for another thing. But let me, let me break this down for you. Remember the controversy of when Russell Westbrook was like, look, uh, Beverly fooling y'all. He ain't out there doing nothing. He ain't out there doing nothing, right? He ain't that good of a defender. He ain't locking nothing down. And uh, what was what Russell Russell what was what Russell has failed to realize, and and that's kind of on him. Is here's here's what Beverly does. He's a rhythm breaker. He's a disruptor. He's not necessarily gonna lock you down where you can't get to your spot or you can't get your shot off. That's not what he's capable of doing. He's six foot tall, but it's he's a nuisance his energy and his peskiness it makes you play at a pace it disrupts your pace so you're playing either faster than you want usually most of the time right or maybe slower like in Katie's instance a couple seasons ago right slower maybe than you want or faster so he's changing your pace because of his intensity and energy and then that in turn breaks your rhythm so yeah you may still be getting to the spots you want and taking the shots that you want but your rhythm and pace has been disrupted. And that's what Beverly's so effective at doing. The reason why Russ doesn't get that is because Russ breaks his own pace and rhythm. Russ doesn't, he doesn't play with pace or rhythm, right? It's all one speed and it's a very funky rhythm. So to him, he's like, he ain't doing shit. I do that on my own, right? You know what I mean? So these are the details of the details of the nuances of the game. Anyway, man, this bubble's been great. I'm excited. Uh, please subscribe, hit the notification bell. I'm trying to grow the channel. You see I'm putting out more content. I got a lot more to offer, man. So uh, do your boy a favor and subscribe. I'm out, y'all.